Bryce Roberts, who is the founder of IndieVC, this really amazing, very unconventional uh, venture firm that looks to invest in businesses that are wanting to be revenue-focused and uh, build sustainable growth. And in addition to that, Bryce has co-founded OATV Ventures along with uh, Tim O'Reilly and has been, yeah, a venture capitalist for, I think, 15-some years and someone who I've really respected and admired and has worked with so many leaders across a lot of different industries. So Bryce, very excited to learn a little bit about your leadership experience today. Awesome. I'm excited. All right. Well, so here's the question, Bryce, that I've been asking leaders who I respect and admire. What's one thing you wish you would have learned earlier? You know, I think for me personally and for a lot of the founders that I work with, I wish I would have learned that and it's okay to be a mediocre leader early and grow into it over time. I think that it's okay to not be a great leader when you start. I think especially when you're younger, uh, when you're in a new situation, you are often hypercritical of yourself, your skills. You know all of your biggest gaps and skills and you know, kind of EQ and all of that. And I think you end up using others as a measuring stick for that. And so I think you tend to look at really accomplished leaders and feel yourself being so much less. And I think that probably I would have been easier on myself and, and said it's okay to be kind of not as effective as a leader, but to embrace it and to just try to incrementally improve as opposed to like, you know, I think where I see it, a lot of founders get in trouble with their own leadership development is you know, they want to move from phase one to phase 10 in a year instead of recognizing, like, you know, in so many respects in doing that, what you might lose is actually your individual unique contribution as a leader instead of just trying to mirror what other leaders you respect or read about or even your mentors do. Mm-hmm. Like, giving yourself time and permission to develop your own leadership style. Mm-hmm. Um and to figure out how to reflect yourself and your values and your leadership more than just kind of writing down a checklist. Because I think everybody loves a checklist. But I think you lose out on what you kind of uniquely can contribute by adhering unbendingly to a checklist. Absolutely. I'm nodding my head as, as you were saying that because who doesn't love the checklist, right? You're saying that I can't just follow the checklist? Uh, no, and I'm also... I'm also nodding and smiling over here, Bryce, because that is such a refreshing and encouraging notion, I think, for so many current leaders and aspiring leaders who are going, oh, I kind of suck at this, or this is a lot harder for me than it seems for my peers or for other people who've who've traveled a similar path. So it's, yeah, very encouraging to hear that. I'm curious for you, when did this insight happen? Did you have certain role models you were looking at, or, or was there something that happened where you realized, huh, maybe I should just be a little bit easier on myself, or maybe, you know, I, oh, I learned this thing about my own leadership style because I wasn't trying so hard to, to adhere to that to that checklist. Curious what triggered this insight. I think a big part of it was, especially early in my career, I really wanted somebody to save me. Like, I really wanted a great mentor. I wanted yeah. somebody to just tell me how to do things and show the ropes, and that person never materialized. 
I've had great friends and coworkers, and I've had great uh, moments where I've had insight with individuals, but I wouldn't say there was any one time where someone like took me under their wing, showed me the room, showed me what leadership looked like right. on that kind of consistent and ongoing basis. And so, you know, I think I probably spun a lot of cycles and a lot of energy trying to find that person hmm. until I realized, it's like, you know, maybe I just need to be a composite of, you know, the, the different pieces that I've picked up along the way. And even though I think I really longed for that, like you hear that story about the person who takes that young one under their wing and they kind of shepherd them through this kind of amazing career and at their eulogy, like they're talking about this person, <laughs> yeah. the impact they had. That's yeah. kind of what I thought would happen. But then I think there got to be a point in my career where it was like, and I would say, yeah, this is probably just within the last five to six years, really, mm-hmm. for me was like, okay, no one's coming to save me. No one's going to show me exactly how to do what it is I want to do. And that's probably a good thing. Probably nobody can show me exactly the path I want to go down. But if I can take the pieces that I picked up along the way and and make them mine as as a leader, I can then leave my own impact on the companies that I work with, the industry that I work in, that maybe someone who had a more conventional mentor Maybe I wouldn't have been able to have those insights or been able to do some of the things that I have been able to do because I would have maybe adhered too closely to that or I would have thought that's kind of how it has to be done. And so, you know, you asked when when I had that. And like I said, I think part of that for me was in 2010 to 2012, I moved out to the Bay Area because that's where venture capital and startups happen. (laughs) And a big part of moving back home to Salt Lake City in 2012 was acknowledging to myself, like, no one is coming to save me. I've been to Mecca. I've seen how it all works. And some of that I want to keep with me, but a lot of that, like, I don't necessarily have to accept whole thought. I can actually kind of take the best parts of it. And so I think, I think for me, that was, uh, you know, a powerful, insightful mentally, but also physically being able to abstract myself away and, and, and make a longer term bet on you know, my own leadership over time. Totally. Two things that are, are really fascinating, Bryce, about, about what you're what you're saying. One, you are advocating for I think a very unconventional path on leadership, which is like don't find a mentor or like reject the mentor, right? I feel like you, how many LinkedIn articles do you see where it's like, oh, the key to success in building your career and becoming a better leader, go find a mentor, go find the, the person who's who's in the job or who's been in that leadership position for 10 plus years. And you're saying almost the opposite, which is one, that person might not even exist. And two, if they do, you can't expect them to save you. And three, actually, you know, go, go and chart your own path. So I think that's, that's fascinating. And uh, I think when I think about my own leadership path, I think the desire to find that mentor, and you know, I've had wonderful mentors, but you know, the one, like you were saying, the person who you sort of eulogize at the end of, you know, at the end of your life comes from a place of, of insecurity more than it does of a true desire to, to learn something. Uh, and then the second thing that I thought was really fascinating is, is this implication that actually physical space has a lot to do with your personal development. And I think as a leader, you don't really think about that very intentionally. So I, I, I love both of those insights. So this leads me to my next question, Bryce, then, which is for anyone who's watching this, right? And they're a current leader or an aspiring leader, and they're hearing your advice and they're going, okay, Bryce is telling me not to, you know, maybe not to, not to seek out 
a mentor, not to, to rely on someone to save me, which is how do you then develop your own voice? How do you sort of piece together, as you were saying, you know, and, and figure out what your individual contribution is? You know, was it a mo- physical move? Was it, is it, you know, reading certain things or, or talking to a you know, community of people versus just going to one person? would love to hear your, your take on that. I don't know that I've got all the answers to that one, but I know that uh, I know what helped me um, in part was being hungry for feedback from peers, from companies, from you know partners in business. Yes. To figure out how, like, okay, what am I trying to do that I'm just not good at and I should avoid? And what are the things that they appreciate or want from me that I'm able to contribute that they highly value, right? And so I think, you know, my business partner, Tim O'Reilly, and we have a third partner, Mark J. Gibson at OATV. You know, it was very unconventional how our partnership started. We were three people who'd never worked together before. And we are now almost 14 years into a partnership. And in living through that experience, it was clear, like, there were things that I was really good at that some of my partners weren't. And they were really good at things that I, I wasn't either. And so I think allowing those conversations to happen, I think that, that was a big part in terms of me developing as a leader was listening to my partners hearing the things that I wasn't doing well, hearing the things that they value, and being able to do more of that or express more of myself in those things. And I think that's across the board, from my business partners all the way down to our support staff. The other part that I, I, I found helpful was just to ask, you know, the people around me, like, you know, and for me, I'm a relatively self-deprecating guy, so I will often say, like, ah, I'm terrible at this stuff, and say that in the presence of, like, the people who I work with, and they don't always like jump on board and say, "Oh no, you're not," and that's the <laughs> idea. It's like, well, here's what you can improve. Right? Like, sure. here's the things you're doing well. Here's the things we value about you. And I think, you know, more than anything, it's that openness to feedback, and that it's reflecting your values and who you are consistently in the way you work, the way you communicate, you know, the way you operate in the office, outside of the office. You know, I think there's a whole picture of a person that starts to evolve as a, you know, as someone that, you know, people are looking to them for leadership that, you know, it's hard to be one thing and ask something. Uh, And so I think that consistency has been pretty important. Yeah, no, I, I I love that. And in many ways, you know, the answers are are all in in, in asking questions and digging for the truth of, of what you know what you really are, what you're really good at, what, especially what you're really not good at. So I I love that answer. I'm also curious, Bryce, as a venture capitalist, you are in a very unique perspective especially, you know, over the past years, to have gotten a glimpse and slice of so many different types of leaders, and especially emerging leaders, whether it's first-time founders or founders who are going through, you know, their the you know their fifth company, but a, a ton of different types of leaders. And in many ways, you were in this position to place bets on these leaders. So I'm curious f- for you, what have you seen, whether it's traits, behaviors, values that you've noticed, one, you gravitate towards those types of leaders or in the firms that you run actually choose choose to invest in? Are there certain leaders that stand out and, and, and why? You know, in terms of attributes, I think given the way um, I try to write and I try to be fairly transparent about how we operate, I think it tends to attract a certain kind of entrepreneur. It's probably one who 
you know, probably has a little bit less strong of a um, reality distortion feel, you might call it. <laughs> you know, I think it's sure. someone who probably is as interested in getting the ground truth as we are. It's probably someone who's maybe got a little bit higher EQ. It's someone who probably is, you know, as aware of their shortcomings as they are of their, you know, the, the, the things they're, they're good at. Those end up being healthy attributes and doses, right? I mean, I do think when it comes to, you know, this is something that I wrestle with and that, you know, there's a healthy amount of self-awareness and uh, group awareness. And then there's, there's that fine line where it switches over to hypersensitivity to that. And that's unhealthy, yes. you know, and then there's like the, you know, where you really crank the volume up on that. And then you're completely oblivious and your whole team hates you and like, you know, no one trusts you. But it's like that, that fine line of like just short of self-awareness is actually probably a pretty great, a sweet spot for an entrepreneur at least. That like they recognize some of their own shortcomings, but they aren't crippled by them, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, no, I think that's such a, a wonderful insight because you know, I think it's, you know, Ben Horowitz, who's written a ton about how managing your psychology as a founder is, you know, one of the most important things that you can do. And, and what you're talking about, though, is specifically, yeah, self-awareness and the line between self-delusion and, and neurosis. <laughs> and so finding sort of... <laughs> well, that, as an yeah. investor, like, that's the role you have to play. You, you want someone who's running so far ahead that you have to reel them in. The last thing you want to work with as an investor is someone you have to feel like you're pushing you know, to you know, kind of think bigger or be more aggressive. You want someone who is kind of always running ahead and, and thinking bigger and dreaming bigger, but then you can also kind of sit down with them and have a conversation about what's real and what's not. Totally. And they still, despite the fact that they can see and project that bigger vision, that they can sit down today and be not emotionless, but less emotional about what's going on in the business and the current state of things. I find that those entrepreneurs, we tend to get great results working with those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I think that's incredibly helpful and something for all of us who are watching to, to reflect on and, and consider where on that spectrum they, they might be. So cool. Well, hey, Bryce. But I, but I, do, yeah. but I, do, but I do think that, I mean, just one last point. I mean, no, I do please. think that, you know, it's probably the, the piece that, that VCs probably talk at least about because, you know, most are out mm-hmm. talking about growth hacking and how to raise your next round and all that stuff. I think the piece that if, you know, I would imagine is universal across all investors is just the, the satisfaction that comes from believing in somebody before anybody else does about their capacity as a leader. That's really at the heart of what makes venture as an industry or as a practitioner rewarding is when you can step back and you can say, wow, I really did see something in that person and I was able to invest not only my dollars, but my time in helping. And even though none of us would take credit for who that person becomes, like you can see a little bit of influence on that person. And I think, you know, that's been by, you know, hands down the most rewarding part of this job is seeing those individuals kind of step into their potential. You know, if we can play some small role in that, I think that's ultimately what all all investors are after because it's from there that every all the other good stuff in our business happens. 
Absolutely. No, I love I love that sentiment. And to your point, so so little talked about in sort of recognizing and seeing people and betting on people before before they do make it big. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for first of all doing that and contributing that and for all your insights, Bryce. I learned a lot and I know everyone who who's watching did too. Thank you. Awesome, thanks. Thank you.